Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Photography Chat, Season 2, Episode 45, with Chris Elvis Cohen. Uh, we'll get him in the chat here momentarily, and then we'll get kicked off. I hope everyone has been having a good week and staying safe out there. Um, it's been kind of weird times here in Canada. And here's Chris. Let's get him on here. Hey, kid, I'm a computer. Oh, yeah, thank you, Jack Nicholson. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Sorry, I was just on the phone. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. With Jack. Was that your Chevy Chase impersonation that you were doing yeah. there? <laughs> Doctor? Yeah. Uh, come on. Where is I'm just trying to make sure that I'm a tap. Whatever. If if we start to flake out, then I'll have to switch to my hotspot because of my crazy lame internet in this town. Anyway, I can hear you good. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're you're coming in loud and clear with your fancy pantsy fucking headphones and your super sensual boom mic <sighs> that no one can see. It's the space hey, station, kids. You, you got you to do. Uh, no, when you your face, you got to do the thing, like in the world. <laughs> Sorry, that was too much. <laughs> in a world where white men have podcasts. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not white though. <laughs> yeah, but but like I'm no. The funny thing is, is I've got all this recording equipment and no podcast anymore. Well, you have so a it's just yeah, I know, but I know so many middle-aged dudes like me, and they've got like all this stuff, and it's like I just need to do this, and and then I'll have my you know podcast or my YouTube channel or my photo stream or whatever. So you don't need to just do it; just make some stuff, like even if it's garbage. I don't know, no, or don't. Who not, cares? Yeah, but you know, I want to be like Peter McKinnon. What, oh, Strongboat, let's talk. There you go, Strongbow. Is that like a mental health thing? Oh, yeah, that's big time. Uh, um, to, uh, give a little introduction Peter. to the people there, because I wrote kind of a shitty intro for you on my Instagrams. You didn't send a blurb in, so. No, it was a good intro. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how to describe myself, because everything's changed over the last few years. You know, this COVID thing... I was really getting back into media and stuff like that. Uh, I used to be a newspaper reporter, if anybody cares, and shot a heck of a lot of photos for that. Excuse me. And that was really cool to see, um, as I'm already burping because I'm like four drinks in. But uh, <clears throat> that was, it was really cool to like see your photos in the national papers and stuff like that. But my goodness, I got so sick of shooting photos. So just when I started really ramping up to shoot photos again, in like 2019. Yeah. What happens in the new year 2020? Just whatever. It just, it was just too much. So I've been like, I've got all this film and everything just doing nothing. And it's like, oh man. Anyway, I know, so. I film and I'm just like, what the shit, dog? Yeah, it makes up. I've got so many things. Don't fall down. Yeah, so so I don't know. I don't know how to describe myself. Uh, 
I I did a lot of video work. Uh, used like I said, I used to be a journalist. Um, I'm just finding enjoyment with photography again because Merlin keeps sending me spiffy things like this. That is a good one. You know, I like that. this is this is a good one. And then, um, yeah, that's actually one of my favorite cameras. I'm just trying to get used to it more now. So, but. great camera. I don't know why my iPad is doing the, oh, you haven't used your iPad for 10 seconds and dimming the screen, you know? Oh, that's weird. I mean, you, you totally forgot about how you were um, a top tier call star at Converges. Oh, that's right. I still have that. I still have that plaque. The two plaques, the, the employment of the month, employee of the month. And the Roadrunner Values Certificate. <laughs> you, actually, you, got, you got Employee of the Month there? <laughs> <laughs> you know you're in an alternate timeline when. What was the name of that fucking kid that we like, he was... Hang on, I'm pouring like, more alcohol into this. All the time. Oh, you there? Yeah, I'm still here. Can you hear me? What's that kid that like was going off about how his mom worked for the school and he was going to get, you know, education pricing on a MacBook and he's going to be so cool because he's going to have a MacBook, and then he brought it there all the time and he like flaunt his MacBook and then we like hit it. Yeah, didn't we hide it on him? We did, and he like <laughs> epically lost his shit. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you tie your whole life to a freaking object. Yeah, was it Tyrone? Was there- that, was it, that, right? that, that sounds right. They're all so forgettable. Basically, what I've done with those guys is I've created a mishmash of all their personalities into one super unlikable dork. So, anyway, this, this is what, I'm, this is what I'm, I just made here. Oh, it looks delicious. It is delicious. <laughs> so, Only thing is you can't have a mustache when you do it. <clears throat> so, okay, yeah. I get shit in my mustache beard thing all the time. Now it's like oh, look at this—a chicken wing. Oh yeah, well it's like it's so long now that like foodstuffs like if I'm eating something and I'm not paying attention, it's just like the beard's like ah, I want something too, and it's like no, you can't, you don't eat your (laughs) fucking beard. (laughs) And then you don't notice that till you dropped your date off at home. Yeah, and then you see a piece of like shawarma or something, and no, yeah. Whatever. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, we were, we were tech support losers and that if anything, if you, if you need motivation to do something in life, go answer phone calls for people whose internet is busted. Yeah. Yeah. If you do not leave that and run away screaming and make something yourself, you're, I don't know what to say. They they actually uh, have a formula there. So they expect um, 80% attrition within, I think it's like six months. And it's like 50% within three. And then if someone makes it past nine months, they're basically a lifer. They're management. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a straight shooter with upper management potential. Um, I, I made it nine months, but I only stayed that long because I needed to get my wisdom teeth out. So I kept... Mm. For my but 
I was gone for like a month and a half because they put me through anger management because I tried to hurl one of those like fucking 20 inch LC, like uh, 20 inch CRT fucking monitors because this like uh, this customer just cheesed me off so bad and like I think I was going through some like <laughs> girlfriend shit or something too. And like, oh, I you just, just like, didn't have to be going through anything to be cheesed off by those idiots. Anyway. Well, I ended up just like hulking out and just grabbing my monitors, like, rah, rah, rah. <laughs> and, <was holding> <laughs> <up. laughs> and my team lead Jill comes over and she's like, Marlon, put it down. I'm like, no, I'm going to smash it. And she's like, no smash. Courage to kill fading. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, I'm putting you off work for a little bit and we're going to send you to anger management. And I was just like, I'm not angry at all. I don't know. No. And then when I quit, it was like, it was super hilarious because, like, I came in right after my wisdom teeth surgery. So, like, my face was still all, like, fucking swole up. I couldn't talk or anything. And so I, I wrote cards out. And I, like, <laughs> you know, came in. I was like, hi, Jill. Hope you're having an okay day. I quit. <laughs> like, are you fucking serious? I'm like, Mm, mm. as you reveal your t-shirt i'm only here for the dental basically (laughs) yeah oh my god yeah we've had some fun jobs together simply computing oh man well Uh, yeah the story in there because at the time you know sluggo came in and you had to apologize to him for losing all of his photos yeah for the guy in the back losing all of his photos and video yeah he spent like almost 10 grand on on a super specked out Mac Tower at the time or whatever and got it got it transferred over from his uh his iMac or something. And the guys were like, cool, and just basically wiped everything and didn't give him anything but an excuse, like, sorry, nothing we could do, you know. That having to tell him that, like, no, here's your shirt, boss, I leave. And so for, for context of why it was like a, a, a weird thing. So I mentioned it in the story and we brought it up now. So uh, Sluggo is this like OG skateboarder from Vancouver um, who like started the Red Dragons with his brother and like Colin McKay and some other friends. Um, and he's a pretty intimidating dude. Like, you know, he's, yeah, he's a brick. Like he's got to be like in his like fucking 50s right now or something. But like, <clears throat> I wouldn't fuck with that guy. Like he, no, he was solid. That guy. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So it's but, like, you know, and from like, oh, oh, it's a, go ahead. Oh yeah, you know, being from Kamloops, we we worshipped those RDS guys. You yeah, because so, uh, we'd run into them in Vancouver and everything like that, or you know, um, once in a while they'd come up to Kamloops or something and just, oh my gosh, these guys are amazing! And then suddenly they they're real big uh, skate personalities and. And then they tell me I got to tell one of my heroes that they screwed up his computer, deleted all his stuff, and there's nothing. They're not even going to give him like a discount on his new computer. Yeah. It was just like forget it. And it was such a shit yeah. show. No, I, I felt so bad. I, I would have felt terrible, and also like you know shitting my pants. Like that would have been a brown pants day to like be like. Oh, I, I quit. I. Hi, Mr. Sluggo. We deleted all of your stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, just imagine working at a film lab and, you know, somebody that you really look up to who's like a, a famous magnum photographer or something comes in and for whatever reason he's using your, your film lab. And uh, 
they come in and you've like thrown their film away and there's just no record of it at all. And you just wah, wah, like, it's yeah. just, I don't know. It, I, it, it made me quit. I couldn't do that job with that. I felt bad for everybody who had to stay for that job. I felt bad that you had to deal with Winston's breath all the time. I mean, that dude like, <sighs> brush his teeth or something. But that was a fucked up place. And then you ended up uh, getting into the journalism stuff. But before all of that, because like, I remember when you were in Kamloops when I first met you and we had a, a land party, which, you know, for the younger folk out there, <clears throat> back in the day when we wanted to play video games with each other, yeah, we we'd load pick up our computers and bring them on over to someone's house. And this was before LCD panels were a thing. There was I remember there was one dude that had an LCD panel. We're like, holy shit, that dude's so rich. <laughs> yeah, he was a boss. But uh, yeah. but yeah, you, we'd all show up and you know load punch cards into our computers. <laughs> no, and then but we'd uh, all yeah, freaking trail together. Yeah. The funnest thing about the land party is just trying to get everybody connected. Okay, you connected. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no, yeah, no, damn it, whatever. Yeah, it's like, oh, but, you only have a 10, you only have a 10 uh, megabit thing. Who has the 100 meg one? You know, because this is before yeah. gigabit internet, you know, it's like. Yeah, you're serving. You, yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's crazy. Um, I miss, like, gaming for some reason just, remember it used to be, uh, I think they called it couch gaming. Yeah. You'd hang out on a couch or land party, you know, you'd hang out together. And now gaming's just okay. Everybody retreat to your little cave, get up, you know, and uh, well, I, kinda, up the I phone. like the idea of land parties because it's like, yeah, you're sitting at your little workstation and shit, but like, I mean, you're also at someone's house and you're having an actual party. And so you'd have like snacks and you'd like, you know, there's break time like between like campaigns and shit like that where you go have some beers or drinks or food or whatever. And like, there was a bit more community to it. Like, even though you were still isolated in your own little workstation, um, you're all in the same place and you're all because you could rib each other too like you know it's not just through the headset like you know you could like throw shit at people and like you know it was it was more fun what's that guy guavo guavo the guy he's like time for some guavo and i'm like what is it that's not a catchphrase (laughs) he's just making stuff up trying to be cool yeah i don't know it's weird how everything's split and everybody does stuff from their own place now. And then COVID is like, Oh, I see this happening in gaming and everything else. Let's make this a life thing. And now everybody has been stuck in their little caves. And this is like being, being half introvert or whatever. uh, I hate that term now because everybody thinks I'm such an introvert because I like to sit and curl up with a book now and then. But um, I like curling up with, you know, it's like, I kind of want to be able to get out and hang out with people and do photography or something or go to like a convention and stuff like that. Or, you know, right before the whole COVID thing was about, I met uh, three or four really interesting landscape photographers and we were starting to hang out and we had plans to go do some more stuff. Um, and then suddenly everybody's freaked out and, and and indoors and that kind of thing. But when the comet came around in about four or five months after the start of COVID, um, I remember just forcing myself outdoors, you know, but I was like 10 feet away from people, you know, and it was, I don't know, very interesting. I just want to get back to 
back to things because you got me all excited about stuff like Policon and some other things going on. And, you know, Brian and you would harass me to get my passport. And I'd love to yeah. go down and visit Brian and some of those guys. You oh, know. yeah, passport. Chris needs his passport. Well, I live near the Montana border now, so I got to get my passport so I can get deliveries sent to the the P.O. box just next to the border okay. so I don't have to pay $100 shipping. Yeah. What's that? You get that cheap gas for that tank van of yours. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Yeah. It's funny. But, I have, like, this little gas sipper and a giant van. Yeah. But, I was going to say, though, like, in the land party days, though, I remember that you were already into video stuff. And mm -hmm. got me into Yeah, I had a video stuff. production business. Yeah, and um, you got me into video stuff, and we would make those stupid, shitty little... Yeah, we we made, you... like, original internet content. <laughs> we did. <laughs> I remember having to serve those videos on... Like, we made stuff before YouTube. Yeah. And Dinky I, little videos. I had a web server, because shot... I because I lived at home with my parents when I knew you. I was like, we need to have Shaw Internet because TELUS won't let me have a web server, so we need to have the Shaw Internet so that I can serve up... Shaw doesn't block 1080, yeah. poor 1080. Yeah, Shaw, Shaw didn't block uh, the, the web, so we would make our stupid little web videos. I still have some of those somewhere. I think you do too. Oh, I absolutely um, They're terrible, but I love them so much. I, I Honestly, I think the stuff like... Uh, Remember we wandered around flashcards of internet acronyms? <laughs> the, the, the wandering that was the gold. One. That one was great. Um, Revenge of the hey, Nerd. Thanks, Jeffrey. That was, uh, that was a funny one. Um, I enjoyed the... When we, we, went, we, Halo 2 or whatever? Yeah, we went to the, li like the midnight lineups for stuff. We went to... I, I had a video from the Boxing Day sale lineup at future store or whatever it was called was it called future store future shop future shop which yeah. which became all part of best buy or something but yeah we but were doing all those kind of things way way before youtube and i had a blogspot page that would link to every video hosted on my own web server cuz i i had like something like godaddy or whatever and it would link to that stuff and in order for it to look like there was a player, I would take a screenshot of the QuickTime window and post it as an image. And if you clicked it, it would link to the video back on the web server. And then it would open up in one of those blank gray pages with the video in the middle. Like it to make was, mine easier, I encoded all of them in real player because like real player was like the embedded video shit back then. Probably still buffering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, the gladiator wheel is just kind of like <laughs> real player buffering <laughs> yeah but so i was always curious though i never i never asked you like how did you get into the video stuff like before i met you because um your your video stuff and us doing those you know, silly videos around cam loops and shit that sort of laid some foundation for me to get into like the photo like photographic um shit that i do now so it's like in a way this is your fault right now i'll take a little bit of the blame for that but, <laughs> but how did you get you you were into stuff too what i so what i did is i uh i was shooting my first camera was actually my wife's <laughs> she uh, had a pentax sp a pentax spo and i can't remember the model but it actually 
I remember the photos coming out of it were so nice and crisp. And I was just using like whatever Fuji stuff you'd get at Costco. And yeah. uh, so it was probably like some kind of superior or something like that. Um, whatever you could get, like you get a cheap eight pack of it or whatever. And then um, I really liked the, I still have some of those prints from that camera that I really like. And um, I just remember really liking some of those shots. And I was like, I bet you an uh, SLR would just blow these out of the water and then I'll be legit. And I thought it was so cool. So I got a Maxim 5 Minolta camera. Oh, so you, you and, started with in the Minolta gang when you started. Yeah, so my first real SLR was a Minolta. And as things were going digital shortly after I bought that, like there was that Kodak that you have, the DCS. Yeah. That was like twenty five thousand dollars. I was like, I'm, I, "There's no way I'm getting that." But the second Minolta comes out with a digital SLR, I'm using it because, like, I was so cheap. I wanted my hundred dollar lens to be able to be used on it. <laughs> but you know, it's like you, you, uh, anyway. This is what you. This these are broke thoughts, right? So, and they're legit. Fair enough. But uh, so I waited forever. Um, Konica Minolta merged. And they had talked about this Maxim 9 digital. And this is 2004, I think, maybe, or something. And they were talking about in-body stabilization, like the first camera with that. I thought that was so cool. But anyway, um, I ended up not waiting because things just took forever. The Maxim lineup wasn't going to be made digital soon enough. You pointed me at that Bill guy at that Bill store. Green. And pointed me toward Nikon. Wait, just pause for a second. Or Nikon. Andre's Audiotronic. <clears throat> yep. Audiotronic is such a cool word. It's so, it's so, I don't know. It's like, uh, it's got much branding potential. Sure. Shut up and have a drink, Chris. You know what I miss, though? Today's <clears throat> world has a major void of stores that were like blank stereo and video or blank audio and video <clears throat> still got visions <clears throat> uh, visions can suck if you can believe it but they've they've got they've expanded into so much other crap too but yeah so i i anyways bill yeah i got that camera somewhere around i think it was like right as soon as it was released so whenever the d70 was released that's when i got it well and yeah, it was you got the d70 and then i was like fuck i want a d72 because like you know it's so it was a good camera. It was really good. Um, the only other camera like it was the Rebel, but I think the D70 was better. It just, yeah, so it had the ergonomics. Lens, well, the ergonomics, but also the lens compatibility because um, yeah. the first digital Rebels, you had to have like the specific crop lenses. We well, couldn't use FD. <clears throat> and FD and you with, couldn't use some of the EOS lenses either. And with, with Nikon, you could use everything they had back into, like, the 70s or whatever and all that, yeah. um, which, which was kind of cool because the first news gig I had, uh, I was able to use a whole bunch of really old Nikon lenses. And um, they were all, you know, they had that little notch on the top. Uh, I, I can't remember what that was for, the little metal flange that on the top yeah, of the lens metal there. Flange. It was, it was um, uh, it's a coupler for... Um, the aperture ring. So on older cameras, 
uh, for the older Nikon cameras to know where the aperture is, that little flange. Gotcha. Something, and it would let the camera know what. Hey, uh, Alan. So yeah, so the 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 old D seventy was really great. I, I, the reason I totally stuck with Nikon, Nikon, whatever, was it had the thumb dial and the finger dial, whereas a lot of the cheaper, more affordable Canons had just the uh, um, front dial, and you use this janky roller spinner dial in the back. Well, I always wanted dial. control of. It was that one that was on top, so it's like you had to... Yeah, it's on top. Finger. It was still a front, front like, uh, trigger finger, shutter finger dial. But, yeah, okay, top. But uh, yeah. I always liked being... Because I shot manual almost from the beginning. That doesn't make me cool. It's just that's how I... I get used to stuff. So I like being able to do shutter speed and aperture from uh, both my fingers. Whereas having to use the aperture on the Canon, you, you had to set that spin dial to do it or something because all or you could set the front dial to do it but you couldn't have both that easily and I, and I found that just amazing in a cheap camera at the time i mean now now you can get them in all sorts of stuff but i think i think still the cheap rebels and stuff you don't get that anyway but but yeah, yeah. so i started to build up a bit of a nikon lens collection and that was my that stuff uh was my my first news camera stuff right so after that i got uh a d2h which was an amazing camera um, but somewhere in there, probably just a little bit before that, um, I got a little camcorder, a Canon ZR10, and I was blown away how tiny this thing was. It, it was a mini DV camera with a pretty nice little picture, and, and it firewired to my little iBook that I had, which was just insane. And I, would just, I made a couple little home movies of Isabel, who was our new kid, and Jimmy, our baby at the time. So um, who knew six more kids would come along, but uh, <laughs> it was so easy to make stuff with the MacBook or the iBook or whatever it was at the time and iMovie. And I just thought that was super cool. So people were always asking us to do, Oh, bring your camera to the wedding or bring your camera to this, bring your camera to that. So I started shooting wedding videos and my God, I hated doing that. I like doing all the other quirky stuff before, like the uh, hanging out with the bachelors or something like that, um, or or just whatever. And then I and then when I was starting to do news, I made a or just before I started to do news, I had this video. Um, was that Pablo production company? What's that? Sorry, I was just saying hi to Pablo. Oh, hello, Pablo. Pablo Z seventy four. So. I was making videos that were, I was also making commercial videos because businesses wanted stuff. Uh, so did organizations like um, we did some local charity kind of stuff. And then, um, and then I started making a video blog somewhere around 2003. I think it was 2003, 2004. That's when we started making our goofy movies. Um, video blogs took off in boxing day of, or December 26, 2004, I think, when that tsunami hit in Indonesia. And that was one of the first kind of big world catastrophe events where people had video-capable devices with them and were capturing it en masse and being able to put it up to the internet. And I think that was still before YouTube. So suddenly, people I knew in the video blogging community were getting contacted by New York Times, or getting contacted by like Time Magazine and all these other 
And it was just such a, a boom all of a sudden. And then YouTube dropped and people were able to, to put videos on there. So I'd been making videos for all this time and I had this like $5,000 DVX 100 camera by then at the time, which was like a independent documentary camera darling at the time. Like it was a really good camera. And uh, I brought it in with me and I was doing news. I remember I, I just started doing all sorts of interesting things that weren't the boring commercial paid stuff. It was more to further my news career. Like I did some stuff uh, that like the tie blasted out, which is like, just that kind of cool BC news uh, uh, website and stuff like that. A b- bunch of other things too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I ended up kind of leaving that behind as I got stuck more in print. You know, I just started to do more and more n- newspaper stuff, uh, became editor at a paper and that almost killed me because it was just me by myself pretty much in one paper. Um, and then when I got into daily news, I actually started to try to incorporate video into that. And this is before video was really a thing for newspapers, aside from like the multimedia stuff you'd see at the bigger outlets, like New York times and stuff. And, uh, you know, got us some nominations and some awards because we were actually putting video on our, our really clunky CMS or our clunky news portal. Um, but yeah, so I, I just ended up that way. And then, the dream died somewhere around 2012. <laughs> That's when I, when I left news. Well, I just, I wasn't making any money doing news. So I became an electrician and then uh, I was too busy doing electrician stuff that I couldn't even do anything creative or fun, but that actually turned out to be a good thing because I needed a few years off. I needed a few years off of anything like staring at computers, doing uh, um, video or, or, uh, you know, photo editing and stuff like that, or even blogging and stuff like that. Cause I, I was just so burnt out from the news cycle. So, yeah. And then, like I said, I started to really get back into it a few years ago and then right before COVID. Right before COVID so, so anyway, that's, that's my, my thing. But w- when I started to get back into it, it was really cool. Like I was getting all sorts of tester gear from Panasonic and JVC and, and uh, Sigma and, and stuff like that. It was kind of fun. And I was like, geez, I should, I should almost do like video reviews of this stuff. And they were kind of hoping I would. <laughs> and uh, I was like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not Peter McKinnon. So I started writing for some websites like Petapixel and uh, this digital filmmaker website and some other stuff. And, and, uh, and I, I, I'd be like, what's up, guys? Yeah. Make- what's up? Here's me slow-mo drinking beer. Well, that's how a cinematographer. What's up? Drink. Yeah, you know, watch a cinematographer drink beer. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. Cinematographer <laughs> reacts filmmaker. to beer. How? How? A filmmaker, filmmaker reacts to, you know. But but I mean, and whatever. Good for them. I'm 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 happy that they can, those kind of people can, make their living doing that. But it is such a sausage fest. Let's be real. It is a yeah. bro down. It isn't it? It is. It's gross. It's just too much. If I if I see one more dude in a flat brim hat and a gimbal ninja walking downtown, uh, uh, what's up, guys? Get your gimbal. <laughs> I don't have a gimbal. 
Well, okay, then you're allowed to have the flat brain. I can point my digital rangefinder at you instead. How about that? Here, let me point my digital. Oh, yeah, rookie mistake. Uh, Hello, everybody. This isn't going to take a picture. Uh, Alan, you've already, you've got that 10 trees hat. You should make that a flat brim hat. Let's see. Here we go. Here's my. Here's my old man Milwaukee hat. There we go. You almost look like Steve Buscemi from that. Like, hello, fellow students. Hey, fellow kids. <laughs> Let's see. I should I should load something into this and then. Uh, there we go. Let's crack some Polaroid. I've like. So I, I've fallen down this Fuji rabbit hole partially because of uh, Big Head Taco and my friend Clint, who runs Safe Labs. And uh, it's, it's made me need to eat a bunch of crow because of how much I shit on Fuji all the time. I know. I'm, I didn't want to say anything, but uh, I'm, I'm glad you're opening up about it. Yeah, uh, it's, it's okay. Like, um, Fuji's great. Just, I, I, you, can, you don't have well, to forgive them for canceling some of those film stocks, but you can, you can so, move on a little bit. I would like Fuji makes great cameras. I wouldn't necessarily call them great, um, but yeah, I would. Like, their digitals are are bonkers, man. Yeah, like I picked up an X Pro Two when I was in Toronto last week, and um, man, I've really been liking it. Like I had the XT Two before, and the XT Two really made me fall in love with the their lenses and the the camera system. Um, even though the X-T2 and the X-Pro2 are effectively the same camera, um, they're very different in how they behave. <laughs> it's, uh, are you going to do it? Um, the digital oh, range get over there. Like it's in their glasses. Like, their lenses are really nice. I've been really blown away by their lenses. Um, like it's my favorite right now, and it, it's like it lives on my camera most of the time. Is the fifty six one point two, um, nice it's like five mil equivalent. Yeah, it's a bit long for street photography, but like when it hits, it's just so nice. Like it's um, I've learned to what live. do you, what's that? What do you consider long? What makes something long for street photography? What do you? Because th- I know there's like the ideal focal lengths, you know, that'll frame something across the street nicely or right in front of you on the sidewalk. But I, th- I, well, I like if I, if I want to get something that would fit in like a 50 mil, I have to like stand a lot farther back with it. Yeah. Uh, but then like the, um, the 35 F2 behaves completely different than this. And so it's just like, so the 35 on that, the, yeah, the third. So the thirty. So like a fifty-ish. Yeah, so it's like the fifty-ish equivalent. Um, but then I was talking to someone recently. They're like, "Well, you should really try the twenty-three with it, because that'll be more like a 30, 32, 35 equivalent." Yeah. Which they were like for street. That's like the ideal one for the X Pro Two. I tried the twenty-three with the XT Two, and I didn't really like it. Um, but was it just I'll... too wide or what? 
it just I didn't really it wasn't that it was too wide it, I just there wasn't it didn't really click with me I like, get it you, the personality of it just didn't yeah like this this 56 one two it just continually blows my fucking mind when I use it um so much so that it's like even though it's a pain in the ass to work with sometimes for like how I like to shoot I'm dealing with that because like when I do get something that works with it I'm just like okay that was worth it um but it's a very different experience from like my like when I shoot film um I mean it's been I don't shoot as much so it's like my my percentage is kind of shit now but like I was like pretty close to where I was like I was usually happy with like upwards of like 85, 90% of the roll when I would shoot a roll. Sorry, I'm still paying attention. I'm just trying to find your, one of your recent photos. Um, so, so with that, with that lens, your keeper rate or whatever you want to call it is a little less, but the ones well, you do get are really good. But my keeper rate on this is higher than it is with the 35 F2. Okay. Cause like a lot of this, like it's, um, what is it with the 35 f2 the pictures don't feel as alive they're, they're the pictures from the 56 1 2 they feel more vibrant they feel like is it because of the separation of the subject and background a bit more or what i think maybe it's part of that because like one of the things that i've really been liking about the the x system is um i'm a super fucking lazy so the vast majority of the time I have it on auto shutter, auto ISO, and then just fucking crank the bitch wide open. So when I'm shooting this camera, most of the time, um, I'm just shooting it wide open, even like during the daytime. Um, but I do use the exposure comp dial a lot. So it's like, if it's looking a little hot in there, I'll dial it back or dial it forward. Um, but that's really all I use on the camera for the most part, unless it's way too bright and then i'll like well I'm, are, are you trying to get a blurred person walking or, or who cares what the shutter speed does you know as long uh, as you can maintain well, your aperture and iso i don't like some it, it depends like sometimes i like the blurred person but but then you can really... you can mess with the shutter speed if you want that other otherwise yeah. just use the use the but like um exposure my who on faith lab he um he loaned me this the Leica M3 a few months back when I moved out here and I never really understood Leicas until I started using one um, and now I kind of get it I understand why people get these um, and there was a shot that I did recently it was the the last set of black and whites um, with Mocha um, what with was that the one with the, the parking sign and the guy with the scully? Is that Mocha? That looks like yeah, Mocha. That's Mocha only, yeah. Who's, that's a uh, stonking shot. If, um, if you're not that's fantastic. and you like music, um, check out Mocha only. He's got Martian Christmas, his latest um, you know, kind of Christmassy album that comes out every year. He, does, he releases a, a version of it. Um, it's going to be dropping December 10th. So look out for Martian Christmas. But, I, yeah, I, I, I really like that photo. I I really like that photo. It's and um, that was that I, with the Leica. That was with the Leica, yeah. Oh. That was with a Sumacron. Yeah, and it's just like, mm. and 
the thing that I've I've also kind of found, like using the Leica, I don't meter as much anymore now. I kind of just guess where I'm just like, yeah, I think maybe like uh, I could do this at like four in a 60th, whatever. That seems like it'll probably work. So I, I don't even know what I shot this at because I just fucking guessed and it kind of came out nice. And I had, there's one where um he's already got the smoke in and it's just like all still but i kind of like the one where it's like i like the movement yeah it it, because if the fucking cars didn't look so modern this could have been like you know vancouver from like the 40s or i know look at those two people in the back yeah one of them looks almost 60s yeah and and there was like a shot i did with the xt2 in color of him in the same scene so it's like you know when we uh, when he was having the smoke i shot him with um with the leica and with the the fuji and um when i posted that one it was a color one people were like this has got like a mad fred herzog vibe to it which really fucking flattered me because i don't think my photos are really that great um uh, they're pretty good i'd say i i mean you blast out a lot of photos but, you know, it doesn't take me long to scroll down and go and take another look, right? You know, so going down from that mocha shot, there's some interesting stuff there. But you have this one shot of black and white Toronto street scene that just, it's kind of dark, but then goes in. There's just more and more street lights as you go down the street. I love that. Oh, yeah. So that was, um, that was with the X-Pro2. I was uh, walking back from Mr. Tonkatsu on Young, and I got my first ever uh, cheese-stuffed tonkatsu, which is fucking amazing. Um, if they take, like, the it's like a chicken thing, and then they, like, sandwich this chicken with cheese, and then they bread it and deep-fry it, and then put it on, like, rice with curry. It was fucking amazing. But Seems legit. Walking... <laughs> yeah, it was, it was good. Uh, I was walking back to my hotel, which is the courtyard, just in the the corner there of that shot down Young, and um, it's like it it came out a little blurry because I'm still like this was like day two or three with this camera, so I'm I'm still getting used to like how focus works and like getting it set up to where like you know if if I shot this with XT two, um, it I think it'd be too crisp. Maybe like it wouldn't have been as blurry, like because I got some shake in there. But then I also kind of like that it's like a little blurry and kind of a little out of focus, and it's not like perfect. That's the problem with a lot of photos today is there's no there's no character. Like you see a photo, and it's tack sharp, and there's some interesting colors, and you know there's a bit of bit of uh, interesting composition, but it. It look it could it's just illustrative, you know. When the more, like the more crazy sharp and and all that uh, an image looks, it just feels more of an illustration. Well, and that's why I really like that that one of Mocha where he's smoking, and even like because I, I post in threes all the time because I just am weird that way. Um, but you just like to have a flat top or flat bottom of your your uh, feed or something. What? Well, it started as, like I was I wasn't shooting much black and white, and so I I wanted to challenge myself to post more black and white. So I was like shooting more black and white, 
Um, and the only way I figured to do that was like, I, I do an alternating, like one day I'll do three color, the next day I'll do three black and white. And when mm -hmm. I started doing that, I was like, I don't have enough fucking black and white to keep up with this. So I need to start shooting more black and white. Um, but I like the three that I did of Mocha because we're the two he's in and then one's just like a background scene. But yeah, um, with, with the Leica, um, it's not super tack sharp. Like it's got some softness to it. Um, cause like, you know, I was just doing the rangefinder walking around. Like I wasn't really being like super keen on focus, but, um, you know, it's just the film stock I used was really nice too. Is this rolly, um, 640 ISO black and white for the, it's the pollen Reinhold stuff that that's out right now. It's like, oh yeah. Yeah. 20, 20 bucks for two two rolls. It's That's the not bad. Hundredth anniversary edition, and it's a really fucking good film. I've been using the like most of my black and white film shots, like the last few months have been with this film, just because it's so affordable, um, and it's nice to have that extra little bit of oomph there with the six forty ISO, because um, it's it's a nice kind of bump from the the four hundred. And it also, because I'm not, I'm guessing my metering most of the time, it gives me a little bit of like wiggle room there because it's a bit more sensitive. Well, you still have some details in that, uh, the revolving restaurant there too, in that pick. So it's like, yeah, 640 isn't too much, you know, yeah, it's not it, bad. I don't know. It worked. But I just kind of like that, that look of like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I love the motion. Shot. Yeah, the the one shot where he's smoking, but it's like I love the motion and I love that like the background is not completely obfuscated. Like um, the color shot that I did of him with the Fuji and the fifty six one two, he's like fucking just pencil sharp. He's just like totally there, but then the background is completely obliterated with bokeh, and it's beautiful. I like it, but I kind of like this Leica shot a bit more because the detail is like it's hazy enough that it doesn't take away from your focus, but it's still there to tell part of the story. And I kind of dig that. It's not as distracting. Yeah. Like your subject is pretty clear. It looks like your subject is doing something, which is cool. And yeah, all the rest of it is just a nice, you know, interesting balance to the shot. Maybe Whereas, you know, if, if that had been some crazy, like, ultra crisp shot, you know, like, everything's just crazy detailed. Yeah, it's just, save that for the landscapes, you know? Save yeah. that ultra crisp sharpness for the landscapes. Because in this, you've got all the detail you need here. And the grain doesn't muddy anything. In fact, the grain oh. makes the background, too. Like, look well, at that. Look at that That's motif on the parkade building there and the grain turns it into from boring into something cool. Yeah. And that, that's why I've really been liking the, the Paul and Reinhold is like, it's, it's got a nice grain structure to it. Um, I've been, fuck, I've shot like a couple dozen rolls of it now. Hundreds of dollars later. <laughs> Dude. Alan, Alan, this guy, uh, who's in here. I've known him for a few years now, like quite a long time now. Um, 
he's been shooting he's in thailand he moved to thailand and he's been shooting a ton of color and honestly alan your color shots were kind of cool and but they were more illustrative the second you started dropping some of your black and whites there was more something to them that that hard to describe you know some people might call it story or whatever i don't call it that because you know whatever um there's just something to it though that yeah your black and whites alan um are just more evocative you you, i actually kind of feel something when i look at them when i look at some of the other color stuff you do nothing against it just when i look at color stuff these days it seems like oh i'm looking at wikipedia about whatever that subject is or something right like Um, okay so let's see if this will work so this is from that role that i shot with mocha um this was a a decal like for uh, Indigenous Day. That's that's cat. Um, this is just at the badge there. But I just really like how that film turns out, and this is all with the Leica. And, like the way it catches like the emotion of things. Like, you, she's just about to look annoyed, so you just lucked out with that shot. <laughs> I just lucked out because you got her the split second before she looks annoyed at you. Well, I like these. That one's kind of neat. Huddled up there. I like that. Um, but then, where is it? Yeah, like, I like how it, it works for people shots, too. Like, it's um, it's got, like, a cool look to the grain. And then, like, that <laughs> Sumacron is such a... <laughs> the Sumacron is, is a really nice, uh, nice lens for, like, you know, shooting people with. That's one of the Instagram photos there. Uh, or no, so that that was one that didn't make it to Instagram because I didn't like how the car was in there. Um, mm. One that went on Instagram was just is a bit more open. It was him to the side, and then this one I can't remember what he was looking at there, but like I sort of like this one. This one almost made the cut to get posted, um, mm-hmm. but I was just like, nah, I don't really like it. It's interesting. I you could tell there's a story there, but yeah, maybe another time. And then he pointed that one's kind of neat. I took this shot because he was like, yo, look at those birds up there. And, you know, there's one, like, flying away on the corner. Um, and then that was the one where, you know, he... he that one's okay, it. too, but I, that movement in the other one is, is best, especially in the, the two people in the background. Well, in the color one that I posted with the Fuji has him smoking. So I was like, well, I don't need two of him smoking. So I did mm-hmm. the, the one motion, and, you know, it's a bit more of a story feels like there's a story there but like yeah that that film like that roly paul and reinhold um yeah this is uh, morgan turner i interviewed him uh a while back we had uh some lunch at helen's diner which if you're ever in vancouver and you yeah that's there, on king edward and maine right king king and ed uh, king ed and maine um yeah. right on the corner i used to work right next to it that's uh, my homie Etchian. That almost looks like Alan, except with a darker beard. Dude. The guy that down there talking about alleys. You know Etchian. He uh, he worked. Do I? Yeah. He's, oh, he's I, I honestly I only remember you and the guy who hired me. And and then this this fucking guy this is Ryan. He worked at Simply too. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I remember him actually. He actually became quite an interesting photographer. He he started he's to do. He started to do actual like modeling and modeling shots and whatever you want to call that stuff. I'm I'm terrible at what the genres are called. But. 
Yeah, I've like got some uh, Raleigh that I can't wait to try out here. Yeah, those are good too. And this one, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. Um, put it on a tripod. Yeah, I guess. But I mean, wow, twenty five ISO. If anyone wants to check out Alan's stuff, his Instagram is a l a i n a s a f f e l. And uh, yeah, yeah, he's uh, enjoying life in Thailand and. He's another kind of former journalist who uh, busted into like commercial copywriting and SEO stuff for a while. And uh, he's been, been um, he, he's realizing his dream. He finally sold his house and moved to Thailand with his wife and they're uh, starting to make stuff, which is pretty cool. That's very cool. Yeah, so... When it comes to things like story and photo, though, that kind of bugs me um, because uh, I don't know. You see, you see a lot of stuff like the Instagram uh, and I'm and I don't mean like, you know, the film Instagram community or anything like that. But there's quite a uh, quite a trope, you know, where it's like the young, attractive person, nothing against young, attractive people. Um, with their back to the camera, staring out at some really nice looking landscape. And it's a middle quality shot, right? The idea is it's just look at this attractive person in nature. And then I wonder what coat they're wearing. Cause I, I would like that coat so I could look attractive and young and or whatever. Right. And then people are like, what a story. What, what is the story? They pulled over and stood in front of something right off the highway while their their Instagram husband, I guess is what they're called, um, Instagram yeah. partner, because it could be anybody, um, snaps a shot of them, and then they dress it up and throw it out there and hope to be seen as an influencer. And it's like, too many people go, well, that's a story. No, it's not. That's a catalog shot. That yeah. You know, that's... they. There's nothing wrong with catalogs and commercial photography, but, but let's, you know, these people emulate that stuff and see some aesthetic in it. I see some really nice catalog photography and they want to do that. And that's fair enough, but let's not call that a story. It's, no. it's like a Peter McKinnon vlog is not a film. You know, it's, it's a guy yeah. making slow motion coffee and then talking about rich guy stuff. Well, you know, like, and and fair enough, like, do what you want to do. But I mean, be honest about it. You know, yeah. And, and like, you know, good for him for being successful. But um, yeah, for sure. It's always more interesting when when there's a story to to the photos. And like, um, you know, one of uh, one photographer I really like for that kind of thing is um, Deanna Templeton and, and Ed, like both of them, Ed and Deanna both have these. Is like, Ed, Ed the, the old GNS skateboarder? Uh, toy machine. Because uh, I think Ed Templeton used to be, well, in like the 80s. Like he, uh, he Is he owns, an old school skater? He's not, yeah, he's an old school skater. Right on, yeah. He, he owns Toy Machine. He lives out in yeah. Huntington Beach. Which Before I was that. Like, I was a little miffed about, 
when we went down to the film Padea in San Clemente, we stopped in Huntington, but we didn't go to the pier because, um, you know, they thought it was too busy to go to the pier. So we just like hit the road. And then when I met Grant Britton, he was like, oh, you should have gone to the pier. You probably would have ran into Ed there. And I was just like, oh, son of a bitch, like so close. I could have, like, you know, got a chance. Man, I'd love to run into some of those old skaters. I used to, I used to idolize so many of those guys. Anyway, sorry. Sorry. I picked up Deanna's book recently. She put a book out called What She Said. Um, Oh, look at those, the crimped hair. This is from the 80s, that shot. Sweet. Um, it, it's still available on her um, on her Instagram. I think there's copies of it left. Um, but uh, link down just, below. <laughs> a really, it's re- been really cool. <clears throat> it's got like her her writings in it from like when she was younger, and little like drawings and stuff. But then also like the pictures just have like really interesting, like you, they kind of draw you in. Like this one's like you know what's up there, like. You know, it's oh yeah, I love photo books like that that have some kind of blur. And then just like great portraits too. Like her portraits are amazing. Like they just like you know, they're it's it's not just the like, hey, look pretty for the photo. Like, yeah, you know, there's like a it like maybe like are you taking my photo again? Like, come on or something. Yeah, if that if that wasn't a friend or somebody posing, that's the split second before the annoyed look again. It's funny. Yeah. And it's um, it's an interesting book. Like I'm, I'm glad I scored a, a copy of it. Um, but I like stuff like this. Like it's um, it's just interesting. Um, I've also oh nice. Look at that busted frame. Look at that corner. Those corners. Yeah, it's a little love, blown out. This. I love how it does that sometimes, though. I, I like, I've got another Instagram account called Busted Frames where it's Polaroids that are just, that didn't turn out 100%. I'm going to throw that up there. But uh, I've noticed with these One Step Plus, some of these yeah. are just overexposing stuff. And Sweet Lou Photography just had a video about that. Oh, really? And And I was... No, my photo's a bit no. And then my first shot after watching that video is this totally. I mean, it's a tough one, I guess, but. Well, I mean, yeah, it I depends know. on like, where, like, because you don't know where it's metering all the time either. Yeah, I always it, assume it's center weighted, but it, like if it were the whole thing, then, you know, it's got my monitor in the background and a light over there. Who knows what it's doing, but whatever. It seems to work better out in daylight than then some janky dust picks. Yeah. So, um, so there was one other book though, that I'm excited to get in here. I just can't fucking remember. Is it Jason Lee's fairies book or the whatever? Way. Did that, the book on when he was on that ferry or whatever, what was that? Oh, the gal. So the Galveston book, that's still pending. That's supposed to be coming like any, any time now. Um, it got pushed back for some reason. Um, Sorry, hang on two seconds. I, I'll be right back. Look for the book. I'll be right back. Uh, this would be a great time for a word from your sponsor, Squarespace. If you want to make a website that will tick your balls, um, you know, go to GoDaddy.com because we just don't have time for Squarespace on this channel. Um, you know, no offense to the people that 
Squarespace sponsors. I'm glad that, you know, Squarespace helps people out there and uh, allow them to make some really great content. Um, but yeah, I don't use GoDaddy. I actually use one and one um, been using them for a long time. I like one and one They're decent. And then for my actual website, not only my website, but also uh, Northern Film Collective, which um, I help uh, Becca shoots film with, um, we use format.com, uh, which is similar to Squarespace, but I chose to use them because they're a Canadian company. And, uh, you know, being someone who lives in Canada, I wanted to uh, support a Canadian dead. So, um, yeah, it's kind of fun. Hey, sorry, I just thought I heard one of my millions of kids crying. Oh, no worries, man. Um, the book was um, Greg Hunt's book, the one that um, Jason's releasing called 20th Century Summer. And so so the film people. photographic. Yeah, so it's, it's being released okay. under film photographic. Um, and it's all this, like, old skate photography that uh, Greg Hunt had shot from, like, the, the 90s and stuff. Um, and That'd be sweet. It looks really cool. Like, I'm pretty stoked. Like, it just shipped, so it'll be here, like, any day now. But I kind of, like, dig those um those old um like old skate stuff like i love seeing frank uh, uh no frank uh, grant's work and grant's mm -hmm. got a book coming soon too uh, that i nice. can't wait to order and then i also i got this book a while back um, your screen froze right on your plumber butt right on what right on your plumber butt as you're pulling your pants up oh. <laughs> I was like, I should have been way, way quicker on the uh, screenshot on this thing. Um, but. Yeah, like, I, I love, like, skate photo books, because they're really interesting. Like, I find um, skate photography, like, really inspiring. And Oh, me too. I, I love that. That's my, that's my youth. Skateboarding was my life. Yeah, and so this was a really cool book that I had to, like this was a pain in the ass to get because they wouldn't ship it to fucking Canada. So I had to get Darn it. Darn communist country. I know. Right. Um, I had to get it shipped to Armand at the camera exchange in Denton. And then he shipped it up for me because I, it was like a limited run too. There wasn't many of them, but it was um, the, the partnership between um, Blackback photo and Josh Callis like because they came up together and it was like put out by DC so it's got like the embossed DZ, DC logo on the back there and it's oh all sweet like, you know it's got their names there but it's like 30 years of skateboarding and it's just a really cool, you know the story of like them coming up together and it just has like these like really cool like you know photos of um, you know them coming up in all the different places, um, you know, some really great stuff in here. Like, now that's a story. That's a story, right? Because that stuff documents a scene that I grew up in my satellite version of it, you know, in a small logging town. Um, and I would occasionally interface with bigger parts of that scene when we go to Vancouver, like, you know, the, the RDS guys and stuff like that. But we, 
we would get windows into that scene through all those magazines and stuff and the skate videos and other stuff like that. So growing up like that stuff is, I think it was, uh, darn, I can't remember who the guy was, but he said, it's important to know people when you were young because they're that tie back to that time. When you don't have that around you all the time, that's what this stuff is good for. And that's why it's so, so evocative. Like it really awakens like old stuff in you and, well, you know, part yeah, of it's sad, but part of it's awesome. There's so much cool stuff. Like, you know, I bet you can't guess who this, uh, this photo was inspired by at all. You know, check that, that out. Oh, wow. Like a nice. Little... The guy's got a strobe in the background somewhere. Yeah. I kind of feel like. Or, or even if they didn't have strobes, it was just a streetlight somewhere. No, I think like... it's a strobe. Cause like, here's another one where it's like. Yeah. That. That's an odd I feel place like for that. Bit of like you know, maybe someone's trying to channel a little bit of Grant Britain there. <laughs> it you but know like that, that that kind of stuff almost would like if it weren't for like the, the you know the artificial light, it would some of that stuff when you see it, it reminds you of you know the the Henri Cartier Bresson type yeah type stuff well, you know but like look at this one that's a fucking wicked scene. What is he board sliding the trunk? Yeah, it's a. I think it's a fucking cop car or something. And he's like, yeah, that looks like a Crown Victoria or something. Yeah, he's board sliding the trunk of a Crown Vic, and I'm guessing this is New York because it looks like it's under the the um, the train there. Um, yeah, he's either just about to land a board slide for the last bit, or he's alling up onto the trunk. Like, wow. And if that's a cop car, wow. It is a cop car. It's got like a like a cop sticker on the back of it. That's hilarious. Yeah, I just, I love these kind of books because it's just like, I remember looking at like the old, oh man, like, you know, pushing across the Bay Bridge. Like, look at that shot. Like. Yeah, it's it's funny because it's like skid culture compared to you know what what you know everybody hated skateboarding at the time but that's a fine art shot it is and and like that was the thing that was wild too so when i interviewed grant um he was the very first person who had been like do you want me to send you some like pictures of my work to share and i was like yeah i guess like no no one's ever asked that before and i've never thought about <laughs> putting in people's photos so that like, you know, people could take a look at someone's work before they, they come listen to them. And um, Grant sent me like this 500 meg zip file of like a ton. And he's like, now don't share this with anyone. Cause like I make money off of this stuff. And I was like, no, of course, like I'm not going to. As you start printing it out for red bubble. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, You've got an Etsy time. page. Yeah. Go, go to red. <laughs> Uh, Merlin DB and you know pick up uh, some like you know counterfeit Grant Britain stuff but like the, all all of his like old school skate photos were there like the stuff I remember seeing in the skater mags when I was a kid and I was just like fuck these are amazing but then he sent a bunch of like his fine art stuff that, that he was working on and that was what blew my mind I was like dude like your skate photography is like legendary but like this stuff is like so fucking good like you know just 
years of like shooting skate has given him this like really interesting eye and he can just see these things that you know other people wouldn't like think about grabbing and like when he does that on like the black and white and stuff like that like it's just this phenomenal stuff so i'm excited for his book that he's got coming out like it should be out any time now um, well it's like news photography where you you know i'm sure when he was first shooting skate photos he just wanted to get a shot of the yeah. subject that was clear and showed what the subject was doing like a hand plant or you know a crazy smith grind or something but as he got better and better and better he he would start to pay more attention i'm sure to other elements of the photo like let me see if i can frame up this pool that looks kind of cool when the guy's gonna slash a big grind or carve through this area you know or let me line this up here yeah stuff like that you know no this is his book that's coming out so it's gonna be it's called push and it's 80s skateboarding photography um it's coming out december um 7th and you can order it from ginkgo press g-i-n-g-k-o-p-r-e-s-s on instagram is their their thing um like that one I'm, I'm super excited about because like it, it'll just be so like it's so cool to hear about like to see those photos but like hearing the story is, is story i love the cool. stories um and like that was one thing that super bummed me out when i was interviewing jason um at this like for the first episode of this year um he was on an instagram break so we didn't get a chance to talk uh through instagram so i had to like set up this like janky zoom shit um which does it it was kind of annoying because like um when instagram did the update you could go over an hour and so i didn't think about there being an hour limit anymore because when i was doing it through a mobile device there's no limit but when i was interviewing jason and he wasn't on the grams i had to do this like janky like I fucking had him on a zoom and then I was like using stream on and like some other shit to like, you know, port the zoom on my computer onto um, the fucking Instagram. And when you were using the stream on thing, it had an hour limit and I didn't know that was a thing. So it's like we were chatting and luckily like it cut off at a natural pause when we were chatting. Like he was, he kind of, I asked him a question about the Del Mar skate ranch and um he was like pausing to think about it and i was so bummed that the recording stopped there because we ended up talking for like another like half hour 40 minutes or something but he was talking about um what it was like to skate at the del mar skate ranch back in the day uh and i asked him like if grant had ever taken photos of him back then and he's like no like he was just getting started back then but he was like but I remember seeing Tony Hawk there and it's like, holy shit, that's fucking Tony Hawk. And he's like all like dressed up in this goofy ass eighties shit. <laughs> Just like, yeah. Like <laughs> the neon bones brigade long sleeve with the, yeah. And they were like, why is Tony Hawk wearing that stuff? But he was just, like, in awe of like, he's like, man, like that's Tony. Like, that's so cool. And I was like, this is really interesting for me sitting here listening to you like a skateboard legend yourself being like, wow, Tony heroes with heroes, you know? Yeah. Like, but but look, look at what Jeffrey said here, Jeffrey Philman. This is exactly the kind of photography that's most inspiring. 
documenting a certain time and place and subject, but having a personal connection to it. And that, yeah. that's a hundred percent right. Because, and, and the best out of that stuff is the stuff that can interest people who aren't even necessarily ever part of that or interested in it. Like there's been like, I can't name something right now, but there's been stuff that I remember seeing going, this is so great. And these stories are so great. I had nothing to do with that ever. And I'm not, this was never my interest, but wow, that really drew me in, you know? So, yeah. so it's, it's well, so interesting when you have something to tie it in that like you get a book and it's all a bunch of photos. And sometimes it's just about the personality who shot the photos, but you get a book and it's full of photos. And sometimes there's little, little, uh, little glimpses into what it was like for that person. And you get really stoked on it. Makes you want to go out and do stuff like that. Just even looking and talking about that Grant Pertain book. I, what was I doing in the eighties and nineties? Why wasn't I shooting photos of skateboarders? Cause there's some guys that like Matt Berger out of Kamloops, like the guy went to like the Olympics, you know, there's other guys that did really well in skateboarding and stuff like that. And it's just like, oh my gosh, you know what? Why was, well, I, was, I guess I was too busy being a drunk and part of the scene as I have. The well, last like, I, I feel the same way too, because like, you know, I look back and they, you were talking about like, you know, capturing those people when you're younger kind of thing. And like, I wish I had more photos from like when I was in high school and stuff like that. Um, I wish I had like, taken the opportunity to get into the the dark room because like my friend dawn um she was like you know she went she was part of the yearbook committee only because she wanted to use the dark room like that was her only reason to like be part of that and i was just like <laughs> nerds but then i looked Valid. like what am i shooting like you know there's so many moments that um i wish i had a camera for it um to just there's people that I'm, I'm kind of like I have like this this little sort of grip on that I, I kind of remember but it's just like that memory is is going away and I wish there was photos of it and that's like one of the biggest things that drives me to take photos now is my memory was already getting bad before the car accident and since the car accident, it's been even worse. And I'm like completely terrified of the, the thought of like forgetting about people that really matter to me um, mm -hmm. or things that are important to me, which is why I've, I shoot so much. Like, you know, you, you say I post a lot on the grams. It's like, you should see how much I fucking make, though. I can like, imagine. It's 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 well, when you tell me what you spend on developing, <laughs> we're seeing a fraction of it on Instagram. It's but it's but. Any fraction and it's yeah. interesting because when you post on instagram you're not saving bangers and only trying to post bangers you're, you're posting interesting stuff that you think somebody else might have a laugh at like recently those couple little things that look like faces but are pipes or something yeah and you, you, yeah or you or you see some interesting message uh on on a graffiti wall or something like that and you post like you're not trying to hit some artistic excellence with it. You're just trying to share something kind of interesting. Right. So, and then, like I said, interspersed with those, then you get that mocha only shot most recently. That's just this well, gem right there. You know? So, so Brian, I don't know if you remember Brian, but there, there's this dude, Brian that we worked with is simply, um, who he's, he's a sweet old man and I love him to death. 
But uh, a few years back when I started sharing more of my photos, he sent me this message out of the blue being like, you have a really fucked up way that you see the world and I'm glad that you share it with us. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's a compliment or a diss, but I'm like, I'm going to take that as a compliment. Yeah, whatever. Somebody's thinking about you. Take it. (laughs) Yeah, like I don't really care about the likes. Um, I don't care about the engagement um so i'm not like you know trying to post bangers all the time and get those likes and get you know all the comments and shit and, and whatnot like you know i like posting things that i like and that's something that's what like, it should be well it's, it's otherwise we become this personality free zone where everybody just tries to well, replicate what everybody else is doing like all the instagrammers rushing out to do the same thing over and over again that's what it should be a hundred percent. Yeah. And like, you know, the, the person that really shifted my mind about that was, was actually Mocha only. Um, it was interesting getting to know him because skateboarding was the tie with that. Um, years back, he posted on Instagram, the, uh, one of his skull skates boards that like he did a collab board with skull skates and he was selling a couple and uh you know i sent him a message being like hey like you, do you have any left like you know come grab one he's like yeah one left he's like meet me at the uh the tim hortons by um the uh there you go he's like meet me by the tim let's, hortons. let's talk skull skates yeah um he uh well yeah and i've got like you know the the pd's hot shop there yeah on the back of the phone um yeah, he's like, meet me at the, the Tim Hortons over here. And uh, so I was like, okay. So I, I go meet him at this Tim Hortons and I get there and he's like, you should grab a cup of coffee. Because in my mind, I thought like, you know, I'm going to meet this dude. He wants it to be in a public uh, place because like, you know, he probably doesn't want to deal with weirdos or whatever. And it's just going to be like, oh, holy shit, you're Mocha. And I'm going to buy a thing and okay, bye. And like, here's money. And now I have skateboard um and i thought that's how it was gonna go down and he's like no you should buy a cup of coffee and i was like what and he's like just get a fucking cup of coffee <laughs> it's like okay and we ended up like chatting a bunch just about like everything like hip-hop skateboarding life um and you know we've we've hung out a bunch over the years and like he's become a, a really um good friend and he was talking about his music one one time we were hanging out and how he likes to make music that he likes. He, he He's not worried about making music that other people like. He's like, I make shit that I want to groove out to. And if other people dig it, cool. If they don't, whatever. I still like it. And that kind of stuck with me because I was like, I was struggling for a while there of like, how am I going to get pictures that people like? And I want to get all the likes and I want people to like dig me and I want my follower count to go up and shit like that. And it was kind of driving me crazy because I was just like, my stuff sucks. It's terrible. No one likes it. But then after he, he mentioned that to me, it kind of like, it steeped in my mind a little bit. And I was like, you know what? I just want to make pictures that I like. And like, it's, I, I want to share the things that I like or the things that make me feel something because maybe it'll make someone else feel something. Maybe it'll make someone else think or they'll connect with it. 
and you know it's not going to get like a thousand likes or anything but even if it gets one that's enough like you know yeah even if it gets you that one connection with somebody that's enough the, yeah. the problem is is and i'm not trying to bag on anybody who's popular on instagram for sure because there are some people that certainly just deserve it their work is really great and it has a universal appeal and that's not meant to say that it's not artistic or any of that that's all that's all just like jealous people who didn't get their arts grant you know whatever but uh a lot of stuff boils down to a lot of interesting marketing and networking and other things that you got to do and there's all sorts of psychology like oh, I really like this photo, but there isn't 20,000 followers on their account, so I don't want to like it because I'm afraid that if I look like I like this, I like crap or something. You know, there's so many weird things going on. And it's, I mean, for instance, the most viewed photo of mine of all time is a foam picture I shot of a Best Buy with an amazing sunset behind it. And it's like on that. Google Maps. And it has 2 million views. Holy shit. I, I would love that kind of traction on the photos I actually think are yeah, good. Yeah. I snapped this as I walked in and went, wow, what a sky. Here, let me see if I can pull it up. I threw it up on Twitter again to have a laugh. and people, Yeah, here, oh my gosh. Let me flip the camera, see if it'll... see that yeah that, was that is like oh, yeah, almost two million views that's hilarious that's my artistic life boiled down to one shot it's something that makes best buy look good and i snapped it with a pixel a google pixel i've waited years for that kind of sunset over something nice like a skyline or a mountain what does it show up over a place that's like out of Nintendo Switches? Uh, you know what is my, <laughs> most, my most popular picture? You and Jason Lee? Jason Lee. For, for the episode that I did with him. But, but my next most popular picture, which I'm kind of stoked about this, is Mr. Ferdinand Belland. Oh, Ferdy. How's he doing? Is he still playing with... Uh... He's still playing for Biff, and um, he is working hard at rebuilding the Armand Theater. So uh, for people that are new to the chat and haven't listened to other episodes, um, Ferdy Belland is uh, a man who made a massive difference in, in my life. And um, you know, was, I've known him since I was a kid. Um, he used to be my bass teacher back in the day and like, you know, um, a lot of what shaped me into the person I am started with, with things that, uh, I learned when I met Ferdy. Um, and yeah, he's just always been a beacon of like community and, um, he just always has like a, an open ear for people and he's just a really amazing dude. And he lives in Cranbrook, um, which is not far from where I grew up in Kimberly. And um, for ages now, he's been, like, trying to convince the city or, like, other people to take this old movie theater in Cranbrook called the Armand Theater and turn it into, like, a, 
um, a cultural center, like a cultural hub kind of thing. And um, they had a couple close brushes where they almost made it happen, but like, you know, things would always come up and just sort of like, you know, um, quash it in the end. But then finally, like, you know, uh, like he ended up doing trades for, for a while. He's a Red Seal carpenter and he's got a couple of other friends that worked in trades and Red uh, Seal for did, life. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an electrician, by the way. <laughs> they all did really well. And so they decided, you know what, like, you know, we're I know such where he grew up and like, let's reinvest in our town. And so um, they ponied up and bought the Armand Theater. And, uh, you know, it, it turned into a COVID project, which COVID in a weird way worked out well for them because they wanted to build a music venue, but they needed time to build it. And uh, COVID gave them all the time. Here's some time. Yeah. That, that's the thing. Like people, people enjoy this kind of success and progress because they're already poised to do something. Yeah. People say, oh, how lucky. It's like, yeah, maybe it's a bit luck. But there's also, you're already out there taking pictures of some rare phenomenon in a storm. You're out there all the time it's not so much luck as you are putting yourself in a position to take advantage of stuff when it happens. Right. Well, it's, a, it's a bit of luck, but it's also like a bit wanting to be in, in the right place too. So like, you know, I'm, there's a part of me that really wants to move back to Cranbrook um, from what I've, what I've seen when I've been back, like what, not only Ferdy is building, but like other people that he knows are, are building there where, you know, there's all these people who left um, Dinktown, as it was called at one time. Dinktown? Um, yeah, that's some people call Cranbrook Dinktown. Uh, we used to call it Cranhole when we were in Kimberley because, you know, there's this whole Cranbrook-Kimberley rivalry kind of thing. But I mean, they had a McDonald's and we didn't, so they were definitely better than we were. Um <laughs> We just had an A and W. then, like you know. Oh man, that's like luxury McDonald's, though. It's well, it's, it's luxury McDonald's, but I mean, you can you can only have so many fucking Papa Burgers before you get kind of sick of it. And so, a cheeseburger <laughs> hits different. And I grew up in the era when you could buy the fifty cent cheeseburger. There was the fucking it was the thirty five cent hamburger and the fifty cent cheeseburger. And yeah, well, and then they had some sixty nine cent menu, and then the dollar menu. Yeah. And- yeah, it was like, that was a good time. But there's all these people who like <laughs> escaped Dinktown because they were just like, oh, this place sucks and I want to get out of there. And they went out and they became successful in their own rights and decided, you know, something's missing in like where they were and they wanted to go back home. And um, they were just like, man, this place still kind of sucks. But then they were like, but I can do something about it now. You know, I'm I'm in a position where it's like, I could make this place be the kind of place I want to live in. And so there's all these really cool projects that are happening in Cranbrook now where um, like the, the grounds of the old Tudor house pub that we walked around on um, yeah. that has been purchased and is going to be turned into affordable housing rentals only, no, not for sale. So it's going to be affordable rentals and they're going to integrate that um, brick building that's still on the grounds there um, that has like the Knights Hall parking sign on it. They're going to integrate yeah. that into the housing project uh, so that it's, it, it'll be retained and like kind of be like the, the centerpiece for it. And then they also bought the trailer park across the street and they're going to put more affordable rentals there too. 
um, which is something Cranbrook needs because they have like a zero, like less, like it's like negative vacancy rate right now. Like there's people living in their cars in Cranbrook and like going to the Y to shower. They have jobs and everything. They just can't find a place to fucking live. It's ridiculous. Um, it's kind of insane. So it's like, you know, there's that project going on. Some other people bought the bowling alley there and they're turning it into like a bowling brew pub where they're going to have like five pin and 10 pin bowling. Um, you know, there's, there's the Armand theater project is going on there. There's like all these really interesting things that are going on that are like bringing, um, bringing like hope back to that place. But I think also, more people should do that. More people move should. back to their hometowns or somewhere small or something like that. Well, it's kind of cool. Cause like, you know, these people left and they like gained this experience and they, they got resources and decided they wanted to make a difference. And uh, so I think that's pretty cool. And so, yeah, I'm glad that like, you know, my, my number two most popular photo is, um, is Ferdy. Um, my third one's a picture of me wearing my friend Brian's shirt. Brian, uh, is that the F five? That's the F five. Um, Brian's my brother from another mother in Elgin. Hang, hang on. Uh, Sorry, hang on two seconds. Do we have like a a bumper screen we could put up for two seconds? I just got to take off for a second. A bumper screen? There's no bumper screen. Yeah, you, you ever see those in like TV where it's like we'll be right back? You know, like no. After these messages. We'll okay, back. sing that for, for like 10 seconds. I'll be right back. Sorry. Um, <laughs> you shouldn't move back to Prince George, Alan. You definitely what? shouldn't do that. No, no, fuck off. You go away. You go do your thing. Okay, well, now you're going to tell people about stuff that I have yeah. to actually watch the rerun to see how bad you slagged me. Okay, got it. Yeah, exactly. I'm totally going to slag you. Um, I'm just catching up on the... Yeah, thank you, Alan. I'm glad you like the posts that I put on Instagram. Um, and then Jeffrey says, I just saw a good meme about that exact thing today. Best sunsets are over top of a grocery store and never over a landscape. That's really true. Um, yeah, I wouldn't recommend Prince George. I mean, Prince George is a weird spot. So, um, I lived in Prince George for five years, my ex-wife and I, um, and I think the only reason we survived Prince George for that long was we spent a year in Tumblr Ridge before we moved to Prince George. So both of us lived in the lower mainland and because of work stuff, I ended up having to move out to Tumblr Ridge to work for a coal mine, which is a very weird experience working in a coal mine. That was a completely different world. Um, but it was a really weird place to live because to grow go grocery shopping like you, it's a couple hour drive to go to like the next closest town to buy groceries that wouldn't go rotten within a few days because the grocery store that we had in Tumble Ridge was kind of sketchy um so after a year there we were like we need to get the fuck out of here and I got a job um with Northern Health in Prince George and I think if we had moved straight from Vancouver to Prince George we wouldn't have liked it at all but um because we spent that year in like this weird drunken isolation bubble where it's like, all we did was like work, drink and play golf. Um, <laughs> because we had that year there, Prince George seemed like a, 
fucking cultural mecca. It was like, holy shit, we have a Costco and a Walmart and like restaurants that are open until like 10, 11 o'clock and you don't have to drive a couple hours to get groceries. And um, yeah, it wasn't a terrible experience. It's kind of a beautiful place. If you go out towards like Smithers, like if you're ever in British Columbia and you want to go for a really beautiful drive and you have some time, um, drive out towards Prince Rupert and that, that whole patch out there, like going through Smithers, um, you know, getting the Kitimat is kind of boring and depressing. It's like, you know, I kind of feel like it's what Soviet Russia might look like a little bit. Um, it was just a really sad place. Uh, but Smithers is absolutely fucking beautiful. Um, Terrace, also great. And some of the best Mexican food I had when I was living in Northern D.C. was actually in, in Terrace, which was really weird. Um, we almost bought a house in Stewart. Fucking Stewart is a weird place. So Stewart disappears from the internet in the world um, regularly because of weather patterns. And it was really frustrating dealing with the doctors there because they're like, why does the fucking internet go away? I make the internet stay. And it's just like, bro, we can't. The fog. It. Yeah. It's like the fog and cloud down. is just too much for it. Yeah. And it just, it cuts off, cuts off Smithers. But yeah, that whole area. That Masonic is really... Hall. Oh, it's yeah. beautiful. That Masonic Hall was like $30,000. We were going to consider turning it into a house. But when we had a house inspector go look at it, they found the bottom was all flooded. Uh, like it was built on top of a uh, of a submerged creek, like a so. So we ended up in this church instead, which is crazy. Have you figured out a name for your religion yet? Uh no, I think we're just gonna we're not gonna contribute. We the world already has a few. <laughs> we don't need to uh, make any more. Um, but, but yeah, we we so lucked out. This place is cheaper than than a. Fuji GFX system. Yeah, but here's the thing that's wild, though. Like, if you start a religion, think of the tax breaks. I, I'm sorry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suffer like Socrates and in order to be ethical because I'm so high-minded. I, I won't. I don't, I don't feel I could face something like that just so I benefit. Like, that's just... But it's like, you know, if I really thought I had something to offer and part of the benefit was, you know, tax-free status, okay, whatever. But, I, you know, who could do that? Um, religious right? people. Well, I guess some people do. But, you know, some of them, some of them, honest, some of them honestly think they have something to offer and some of them, some of them know they're, they, that they're snake oil. But don't, and, and don't for whatever it's worth. Don't priests count as, as like diplomats too? Like, couldn't you? You can then you could go around and be like diplomatic immunity. <laughs> yes, diplomatic immunity. Hold up some bunkadi. No, no. <laughs> yeah, Caroline. No thanks, Ellen. Um, although it is like really near some nice stuff, but um, I, I don't know. Like you know, whatever. It's uh, this, this. We bought this place and got it converted to residential, and boom, we got the tax bill right for the rest of the year. Um, whatever, you know, we're kind of. It's nice to kind of contribute to a small community that's shrinking, and we're losing one of the industries here soon. Um, but yeah, this place is great. I just can't wait to somehow finish the Renos. Oh my gosh, 
can't wait to it's, move in with you guys. Yeah, move in. Uh, there's some nice places in town you can. <laughs> it's seven thousand yeah. square feet, but I have ten people in here, so. Um, I mean, there's room for one more. Yeah, maybe. Whatever. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, I was going to just say, here's my... Yeah, we did, Alan. It was because there's 380 people here or something like that. And we were we were a few percent at least. 380 people. Yeah. Here is my... Good dude. Here is my most popular Instagram photo. I like that one. I think I... I shot that, that with the D70 17 <laughs> years ago. I used that in your... Did I use that in your I thing? think so. Probably because I only have about 30 photos on there now. I called no, so I many of them. I didn't use that one. I used one that you did of Edmonton. Yeah, I, I take a lot of shots of the moon and the sky. I'm, I'm getting a little bored of it. Well, not bored, but I, I kind of want to... Like, if you go... Let me see if I can find it here. There's this one. Well, actually, I really like this shot of you. Which one? Oh, yeah, yeah. I like that shot of you, too. And then I had yeah. to, like, put that one where you were, like, palming the uh, the fire hydrant because I kind of like that one, too. Yeah, I was just leaning all cash, and then I saw you starting to take a picture, so I tried to look all Sears catalog. Yeah. I like that one, though. That was XP2. XP2 is such a great film. And then what else do I got here? People shit on it, but, like, it doesn't deserve it. It's... I really like this shot even even though well let's get back there. That's a cool it's a it's a little blown out on the Instagram, but just like uh, the butthole capitalism. Uh-huh. Um <laughs> You're such a wacko. But I'm starting to starting to want to take more pictures of people. Like I ran across these two gents trying to do a profile pic. And they saw me looking at them, and I just, as soon as he started laughing, I put my photo, my uh, my camera up, was it, and took a shot. Was it you and I that had the idea for, like, professional dick pics? Mm, probably not. Fuck. And I like I that one, too. This is reminding me I, of that idea. I got so sick of... Uh, I got so sick of photos with people and then because of news because that's all my news photography was. And I retreated in still life or whatever, the natural world or, or, you know, things without people. But then I started to remember that, you know, it's really hard to make those kind of photos work without people in them. Because there's almost no story. You don't have story without people. Like if if a for, if a tree falls in a forest and nobody hears it, does it fall? Did it you know? Did it happen? Whatever. Without people, it's really difficult to get a story. But but with people, some people think it's really easy to get a story, and they make those Instagram shots that suck. But I've been some of my more recent photos have been trying to get more people into it, and. Like I say, I overdid it with news because it was nothing but people all the time, you know, with big giant checks and shaking hands and, and crap like that. But, but now I'm interested in it again. Well, it's good you're interested because you take great photos. Well, thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. 
you know, it's a fantastic road trip, pal. I miss road trips with you. I wish. Like, yeah, road trips are fun. We, drove, we should we go to drove, Cranbrook. We should. I would love to go to exactly, Alan Grip and Grin. Um, Grip and Grin kills photography. When when we went to like when you helped me move to Toronto, I wished I was shooting. <laughs> helped you. I just hung out and. Well, no, no, like you were fine because like I did all the driving, which I was totally cool with because like you know I was going to do it anyways. It was just nice to have the company, but like oh, I guess I, I should have offered to drive. Sorry, man. No, no, no. You, it was fine. I'm weird about that with my car. I don't like other people driving my car. Fair enough. Um, that was a great trip. Thanks for bringing me on that, though, by the way. Yeah, no problem. It was great to have you. Yeah, I'm, I'm weird about, like, there's this, like, one, t- this person that I used to be friends with, but I had to block them because they were just, like, I couldn't even have a conversation about why we couldn't be friends anymore. I was just like, no. But I was getting into my car one time, and we were going to go somewhere, and, like, I opened my car door and then she sits in the driver's seat and is like give me the keys and i was like what no and she's didn't like, well, i give I you a virtual drive. restraining order <laughs> like she's like well i want to drive and i'm like that's cool but you're not fucking driving my car <laughs> like, get out of the fucking seat um but yeah i wish like when we took that road so you know, for for people that may not know when i moved to toronto in 2017 um Chris saw a video that I posted on my Facebook of me um, practicing driving with a trailer because um, I was moving to Toronto with all my shit in the back of the trailer. And like, he sent me a message being like, you go to Toronto. Can I has ride? (laughs) (laughs) Like you can has ride. (laughs) Um, And so he came with me and we drove across the country, but unfortunately for my photography I hadn't started getting back into photography until I got into Toronto. So I kind of like, I look back at that trip as like a bit of a missed opportunity for, cause there's some, like, there could have been some really cool shots there, but I'm glad we took uh, all those stupid videos in the car. Like that was yeah. a lot of fun. That's the yeah. thing. Like you can regret not taking certain videos or taking photos or taking uh, opportunities, but how many times have you been somewhere and just, you know what? I'm, I just want to enjoy this and not try to capture it with a camera. You know, I just want to enjoy this. Sometimes you just got to framp it. Sometimes you just got to framp it. You just got to <laughs> wagoosh. Yeah, you just got to take uh, it all. If you ever want a weird road trip across Canada and just look at all the weird names for stuff, it's basically it's all settler interpretations of some sort of First Nations indigenous title to some area. And it it, it doesn't work with English very well. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. Yeah, like but it's, it's, it's fun. I didn't, I didn't start getting into photography again until I got to Toronto, so. I, I remember bugging you because you took quite a hiatus because all your stuff was still in Kamloops. Yeah, well, I mean, like there was there was like stuff around it where like I, I stopped shooting for a while just because of my life situation. And, um, I want, I, I miss shooting. Cause like I, for reasons I ended up selling you most of my gear at one point, I think like, yeah, I think I bought some flash and stuff and yeah, a slave cable flash. and other things. And yeah, you bought like my, cause I had the, and a 50 mil. 
Yeah, because I I had a couple of, like Nikon flashes and lenses. Yeah. And you bought that, and I was allowed to keep the the D seventy and the kit lens, uh, but you were allowed <laughs> by who? Yeah. Okay, um, never mind. I can kind of figure that out. Um, but, yeah, but but photography for you, sorry, I remember the way you described carrying around a camera and it was like your safety blanket. Well, yeah, it kind of turned into that when I was in Toronto. Um, when I shot in the, in the 2000s, um, I also carried my camera around all the time then and it was like obnoxious when I carried it around back then because like that was a huge investment like I bought that brand new d70 and I was worried about it so I had this like a little low pro bag that I would like carry everywhere with it in and I had all these like stupid buttons on the strap of like all these like bands I saw or like you know fucking that was cool shit I had so many of those buttons down my bomber jacket and all that yeah stuff. I mean that was the thing back then because we're old but um yeah, I would like carry it around all the time. And even before I got the D70, like most of my stuff was shot with um, Canon PowerShot A75. Those are great cameras. It was a great camera, yeah. And, and they used they um, used double A's too, I think, in the handle. So they could... used double A's and uh, oh, expensive black. batteries. Yep, they were really good for night photography because you could do. Um, you could do a few seconds of an exposure with it. So I did a lot of like time-lapse, uh, like long exposure stuff with it. Um, but I would always have... What was your name phone. back then? What was your and account name? Eon. Yeah, I like that name actually. But I remember yeah. this one shot you took of Kamloops. It was one of the streets and there was a puddle and there's some street lights in the background. It's probably still on my DeviantArt, so... And I'm not sure if that was your A75 or your D70. And then a couple other shots you took of the of the, the one bridge over the river that looked really neat. And it was it's so different because nowadays when people take night shots of stuff like that, everything is... all the, You can see the details in everywhere. There's no shadows anymore. Everything's lit up, even though it's dark. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody, everybody wants dynamic range, oh, but it's oh like, whatever happened to contrast and dark areas and, and stuff, you know? So this is a little embarrassing. This is it? Are you looking at your Divan art? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sweet. This is, this is going back almost 20 years, people. This is some of my first shit that I ever did. This is... Maybe, now, that's a story. <laughs> maybe 19, 1999. Um, I would borrow the digital camera from my high school to take photos because I didn't even have a camera back then. And I thought that um, I was really clever to like put it inside of garbage cans and take a picture of the inside of the garbage can. <laughs> I called it consumerism. Because I was like, you know, you could see what people are consuming by looking in the garbage cans, man. See, um, see, not a bad idea, but the second you started to try to make it more than what it was is where it gets, eh. but I mean, it is interesting to see what people are throwing away, but that's where everybody fails is where it's trying to make something more out of something. Take yeah. my hand, not my life. Um, this was, uh, I miss Joe. Um, this is me and Joe 
when uh, we were doing some computer shits. Um, a rare non-bearded Merlin. I like that yeah. cross pick, that, that, that church. Oh, fuck off. I'm, this is my page, dick. Um, yeah, and like I would Photoshop them. Or I think I used GIMP back then because I was like poor. Um, Couldn't torrent it. Yeah. Well, I did have a torrented one for a while. Um, it was a it was a hassle. You had to crack stuff and. But yeah, and then I used to take like, <laughs> I used to take photos of like the Winamp shit, like when you're like the visualization. Me too. Like, I would screenshot that. It looked so cool. I kind of like them. Like I like Me this too. one. He's a little devil guy. Um, nice. I would take pictures of like people on the street, but only if they would let me buy them food. That was the deal. I would be like, mm. if I buy you food, then I get to take a picture. And they were always... Try not to totally exploit, make it like a two-way thing. Yeah. Um, oh, there's St. Andrews on the square? Yeah. St. Andrews In Kamloops? Um, I like doing these long exposures of people. Those were kind of fun. That is kind of neat. Um, and this is all with an A70. This is before the uh, D70. Um, wow, I gotta, I gotta look at these. Uh, yeah, these are like yeah. what four megapixel shots. Yeah, two megapixels. Like so, and then oh fuck, I hope it's on here. I got a picture of like the fire. Um, oh, and I used to love doing these like. I have some film shots of the fire. Um. I used to love these ones. Um, but where is... I had this really great one of the fire where it's like... Ter oh, these are some of my very first film shots. This is my little brother in the backyard. That's kind of cool. And this is uh, my old friend Nikki. Um, where is that one? Turned out so fucking good. I have this one in my bathroom. I printed. That's the one I was talking about with the puddle and the streetlights. Yeah, I made a series. You, you took you took a yeah. You made like a triptych of the yeah. red, yellow, green. I like that yeah. one. That was a good one. It turned out nice. That I think that was also still the A. Isn't there a bridge uh, shot nearby? That one? Yeah, somewhere there's a bridge shot. And then the, I'm sad about this one because, like, Decadent Donuts was such a good donut shop in Vancouver. Now it's like a – it was a megabyte pizza for a bit, and then now it's it's fucking gone. I don't know what – What's that is. Scraps one? Scraps, Scrap? I think? Where? Top. Oh, those top. are just, like, ones I didn't like. Oh, okay. um, oh, here it is. This is the fire one. Yeah, I have one of those, too, from my house. I used to live just across the river from that. Yeah, and I – Think this, I've got a yeah, bunch this, of those with my Maxim oh, Five. It wasn't even an A seventy five. It was a, with an A forty. Oh my gosh, you're really getting in there. Um, yeah. oh my gosh, ten by eight. Wow. Yeah, I've still got fun. a couple uh, shots of that fire. That same fire line as it was going south into town, well, toward town. And this yeah, is the cool. this used to run Mountain High Pizza, which was one of like the best pizza joints. Oh Canada. yeah, I knew. I knew. Uh, one of the girls who worked there was a brother or her, her brother was one of my good buddies. He was in a band called the pirates or something. 
His name's Greg. I can't remember what his band was called, but they were opening for Stutterfly that night. And oh, I remember that band. I just remember seeing the stickers and the posters. Oh, and then this is like fucking. That's weird. Barrier. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a sad one. That was with A forty two. I guess I didn't have the D seventy yet. No, that's crazy. And there's uh, I TRU, I think. Yeah, so this one was when I had the D seventy. Now is where's decadent donuts it's right on granville street but it doesn't exist anymore and this mm. so this photo is kind of interesting because this is like a weird oh it's not TRD. what my life kind of became so i was really enamored with this building this is the the wall center in vancouver and i yeah. thought it was a really cool looking building and um i had no idea that like you know um well, like 10 years later after taking this photo I would end up basically like living out of this place most of the time when I was like traveling for work and like it's uh I did some conference there I used to work for uh companies that set up conferences and concerts and we did something there wacky um yeah, yeah sorry what was I gonna say oh that's nice I like those night shots of camels too hey yeah this yeah, photography this guy's a good landscape photographer who just joined. Nice. He's got yeah, some really uh, interesting stuff. Uh, John Enman. That's that's John Enman's hand. Oh, Enman. Yeah, he had that amazing used uh, camera. You walk into that guy's place, you may as well just write off four or five hours because you will talk forever with yeah, that guy. And, it's, and I don't mean that in a, oh, my gosh, bad way because you will go down some rabbit holes with that guy. These are still some of my favorite black and whites I've ever shot. These were at, like an old abandoned building by Warehouser. Mm -hmm. uh, this is with the D70 and like, um, oh shit, go away. I, I like this one. Where it's like, oh, that's the, yeah, that's the smoke or the, the pulp mill stack. Good yeah. old logging town memories. Who the hell, that's not my photo. Fucking whatever, DeviantArt. Anyways, if you want to go... Like, DeviantArt, wow. We should dig through my Flickr. Oh, my God. <laughs> I have I have a Flickr. Um, I don't like... I still it. like Flickr. Well, I don't like my Flickr because, like, it's just got garbage photos on it. Like, yeah. I'm happy with my, my DeviantArt Old photos. stuff. Like, mm. yeah, but it's, it's interesting. Like, so, yeah, I took a pause for a while, and then... Um, right before moving to Toronto, I was missing photography and uh, I, I bought, I was down in San Francisco on a work trip. I picked up a Canon um, G9X and like, I just those are not to, bad. Like, it's not bad. And I like the camera, but some dust got inside. And so it's now like, it's there's bad. like, a, yeah, now it's bad. And there's no way to fix it. It's just like, it's a, which pisses me off. It's because it's like, the sensor just needs to be cleaned. It's like, yeah, you can't clean the sensor. But now it's a brick. It, it I hate that stuff because you try to fix it and you, it's witchcraft. You're done, right? Yeah. It's annoying because like sometimes depending on how zoomed in or out you are, what you're shooting, you just see these like little, like kind of like cloud smudges. Um, but when I bought that camera, I just Googled, I'm like, you know, DSLR like point and shoot um, and that was the one that came up where it's like you know it had like 
some of the best features, but it was something that was small because I was traveling, like I was doing like 340 flights a year at that point. And so it's like, I wanted to take photos, but I didn't want to have to like lug around a DSLR. So I just wanted well, to- On the lens collapses into the body on those. It's such a nice- Yeah, it's super tiny. Like it's great. I mean- I had a G4, now, like, I think. Well, in, in or G3. Now, honestly, like my fucking- iPhone 12 Pro Max takes better pictures than that G9X ever did. I know, isn't that sad? It's it's kind of shameful. Like, there's even times when this will take better photos than my Fuji. Like, I took a photo of, like, this group when I was in Toronto, and I almost wished I did a photo with the iPhone because I know the iPhone photo would have been, like, totally perfect but the fuji one was a little blurry <laughs> because i was standing on this like stool and i wobbled a little bit and like i took three but shots it's more computational it's more yeah, that computational it, stuff i don't know i just got kind of pissed about it i, I, I prefer to be able to add my own adjustments rather than trust computational photography even though you know computational photography is kind of going to be the future whatever comes out of cell phones is going to be put into the big bodies it's going to work but but i mean stuff like look at alan uh the eos m was a, a wonderful little camera it was super yeah, compact was a great camera it, if they could have just solved the problems with the smaller sensor i still like i feel i went my i'm out micro four thirds after hauling around nikon gear you know, pro body size cameras for, for years. It was breaking my back. So I went, I went and I got, I got one of these things here. Actually, no, I got this guy. This little guy is tiny. This replaced my D2H and a D7000 and like some massive lenses. I love this thing, but it's, it's a micro four thirds sensor. There are a few cameras that have made that micro four thirds sensor sing. Like uh, there's this, the EM1 Mark II, and this is just some crazy 800 millimeter telephoto on it that's really cheap. And then the G9 Panasonic. But uh, a few, few shots, like I have this lightning shot here that just, I was so, so disappointed when I was uh, shooting this shot because of the, just the limitations of the micro four thirds sensor. It was great, but I, if I were to shoot that same shot with my S1 or even an APS-C like Alan's talking about, that's bigger than a micro four thirds, this would have been so much easier to edit and deal with. And I think the shot itself would have, would have, would have come across a little better. But uh, I'm just such an optimist for Micro Four Thirds because the form factor and size, like, look at this. Okay, so this is 140 to 400 because it's got a it's got a two times teleconverter, and this is just a 40 mil. You know, but but. But, like, if I were to pop the similar kind of lens on this, it's going to be about half the size of this lens. But look at this. This is almost pocketable. Well, you saw this when I took it with, with me on the road trip. It just disappears. You don't feel this. 
that other one that's like oh my gosh like especially if you're getting a little older you know like well and so it's kind of funny like i mean the switching to the fuji film stuff like i bought that xt2 and immediately connected with it i've had mm-hmm. i had a nikon d60 for our d610 i had that for a few years and like it was a good camera it worked well it was nice to have a full frame digital no it's a great camera it's just well it's a great camera but i never we never clicked like me and the camera like i i always just like i had it because it was like it was a full frame and i could use my lenses with it but i never really enjoyed using it and i was never really happy with like what came out of it i was just like eh, it's like okay um and then when i started using the xt2 i was like okay this is this thing is like the fucking cat's meow like it was like so good and i liked it and i was just like i immediately enjoyed using it the film simulations were cool like i tried to fuck around with film simulations on the d610 but like no it, it wasn't really great i ended up selling the d610 to um uh to john enman uh at the camera show um uh, last month because I was just like, it's got to go. Like, I don't like it. I use the Fuji almost every day. Um, I use, Now I have the X-Pro2, and I was just like, you know, I don't know if I'm going to sell the X-T2 or not. Um, I might keep it for digital scanning. Because the one thing that I wish the X-Pro had that the X-T2 does is a flip-out screen. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to for your vlogging, it. no, I'm kidding. Sorry. No, no, not for vlogging. I'm just being a dink. Like when I put this on a copy stand, um, I don't want to have to like look down on top of it to like get the thing. Like no, it's it's nice to have the tilting screen at least. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to see how much I like doing digital scanning and if that works out better, and if it ends up being a good thing, then I'll, I might keep the XT2 just for doing that. I'm, I'm going to keep this. I'm going to try to find some sort of uh, film scanning adapter because it'll pop out a 50 megapixel still using a high res or 80 megapixel with high res mode. So if I pop out an 80 megapixel still high res mode on a negative, that's a pretty good scan. And I don't get those weird rings that I do for my scanner sometimes. Yeah. So oh, Newton, rings. Newton rings. Yeah. Newton rings suck. Um, but, I mean, honestly, this is this is where the future should be. Like, this size body, right? Because I compare that to my S1, and my S1's a monster. Like, I, I went to Micro Four Thirds to get away from massive bodies. Why did I go for the S1? Well, because I got, like, 1500 bucks off it new from the plate, because I got a deal with one of the camera stores I usually shop at. Um, I was an early adopter for it. So the S1, the S1 is an absolutely fantastic camera. I can't imagine. The only thing that I could complain about is, and this is a video thing, is the video autofocus, which isn't even that bad, but it's not like crazy. But everything else about that camera, the only thing you could ever want more is just more pixels on it and then get an S1R and you're, and you're good. It's, it's such an amazing camera. I've taken shots and been able to recover like four stops of uh, underexposure. You know, it's just, it's just amazing. But those Fuji cameras, yeah, those are, 
there's something to be said about whether you're like you, you said the 610 you just didn't want to shoot with yeah like it it just but the like fuji you did well in the fuji i use all the time like i before i had the 610 i had a d300 and when i would go traveling i would end up taking the d300 and the dx lenses along with like my f5s and like my regular film lenses and I would use a D three hundred, but I was I kind of got frustrated like having to carry like double of everything, and so I yeah. thought like a full frame body would make sense. Where it's just like, well, if I get a full frame, then all I have to pack is an extra body. I could just use the same lenses. Um, but it just it never really was like, I just never really fell in love with it. And it was also like no. it felt weird, like it's it's not a very small camera, but it's not a very big camera. It's just kind of like this awkward, chonky little block that I never really felt was comfortable because it was like it felt a bit more comfortable when I put a battery grip on it. Mm -hmm. But then it felt weird still like it was more comfortable whole, but then it got awkward because it was like a weird size now. And I don't know. I just never really. You can't discount that kind of feeling. You can't discount that because. And it's weird to say it felt weird. Well, it's weird to say it felt weird because, like, I mean, my primary driver when I shoot film is a Nikon F5, and that thing is, like, a fucking behemoth. Like, it's, like... But there's something to be said for for pro bodies versus bodies with a battery grip. Yeah, there there is. And, like, I mean, the F5 is... I like how heavy it is because I know if I'm going to be shooting slower shutter speeds that I'm going to have less shake with it. Like, I can... I can shoot down to a 15th regularly with that and know that like, it's not going to be blurry. Sometimes I could get away with a 10th and an eighth, but like, you know, I, I know that like a 15th and a 30th is not a problem with that camera. Cause like the mass just helps me. Like if I plant down somewhere, you know, no, it's true. Um, I've noticed now like the X pro two is lighter than the XT two. And I've noticed that, like, I have a lot more shaky photos with the X-Pro2 than I ever did with the X2, um, which honestly might lead to me probably maybe being like, fuck, the X-Pro2's got to go and I'm going to keep the X-P2 as, at some point because, like, I get annoyed with the blurry photos. But I do like the feel of it, so I might order a grip for it to see if, like, the grip will mm. add a little extra mass and make it... A little more stable with your 610 versus the f5 what was the prism like like the view was well, the view I mean, smaller in the 610 it's a it's a bit smaller on the 610 like that's a hard that is a huge to, thing for me well it's like the view was good in in the viewfinder but like the f5 is always going to be king in my mind for that because it has because it's prism it's so, like IMAX versus standard definition. Well, yeah, it's like it's such a bright, huge viewfinder, but I also like this removable. So it's like when I'm doing like low down shots, I can pop the the prism off and just like look down and get some some funkier shots with it. So like I find like, that's why I love looking through this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I find like i like to shoot f5 is kind of like the ideal camera because like i can i can do so much with it um 
and also like shooting street sometimes when you're in like grittier parts of town um it's like you know a little bit of extra protection too because like you know you could hit somebody with it <laughs> yeah if someone, if, if someone gets smacked with it they're gonna, probably gonna back the fuck off um, yeah they're gonna feel it yeah yeah they're gonna feel it but like it's and it'll be fine like you can hit someone with it and it'll still work like i totally feel you though with the whole uh experience there's a, there's a shooting experience you're creating something that might give somebody an experience viewing it why wouldn't you feel some kind of experience creating it if you're shooting on a camera that doesn't really do it for you you know sometimes that translates as oh i just want something new whatever but you do feel if you feel a connection to a camera because of its ease of use or you know it's going to be able to perform in certain conditions and stuff like that that's just going to help you with your output you know that's going to help you make a make an image you're more uh excited about you know i i totally feel it if somebody were to be like you know what i just i can't i i honestly can't pick up a dslr anymore like i i grabbed this uh f100 here this was my dream camera thank you for it by the way merlin gave me this camera this was my dream camera for years this this and the fm2 this is an fm2 n actually but um which i need the rewind knob if you still have it somewhere um i know sorry but this thing i can't imagine using a camera that that feels like this anymore like even my big chunky s1 just has different ergonomics and a different feel and totally right this this what inspires me about using this is i know this is a top tier film camera for 35 millimeter format this isn't going to let me down it, it never will like that but i don't like, i don't like i don't like the feel of it as much as i used to but 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 i know what this thing can do like I, I can shoot with this and everything's going to turn out terrific. Like it's going to be great. That's why I love it. That's what I love about that camera. I, I hate the way they're built now. Now that I've got this experience with, with stuff like this, you know, and, and, and the other, the EM5 and all these other interesting new cameras and, and, and the stuff that's coming back to the aesthetic of this, like the ZFC and stuff like that. And, and even to extent that EM5 that you feel something with the equipment and somebody might say, Oh, well, that's not professional professional take like a piece of crap and still make good stuff. And it's like, eh, that's terrific. I'm not a professional. I don't need to worry about that stuff. This is, this is an experience for me as much as it is, you know, for hopefully somebody else who views my stuff, you know? So anyway, that's, that's my, that's my blah, blah, blah about all that. No, it's a good blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, look at what Alan said about the S1 and the S5. The S1, as we've seen, is this, this monster camera. This is a monster. Look at the size of this thing compared to this. Right? The S5 is this same camera with a little bit more in a body this big. Hmm. You know, it's, it's nuts what they're able to do today. I'd really like to get an S5 because it's got, uh, 
it's got a feature called uh, live composition, which is probably one of the best photographic innovations in the last 10 years. What it does is it just leaves the shutter open. The pixels only record a change in light values if they brighten. So you could aim it at the sky for three hours. It will only, it'll keep the same exposure you took of that sky unless the stars are trailing or a plane moves across or a satellite. So good for astrophotography. Absolutely amazing. You can get those beautiful um, star trail shots where everything looks in a circle, right? By just one shot. Whereas, you know, people trying to do that with other cameras take hundreds and hundreds of shots and then stack them together, you know? Would you have to, like, have it plugged into, like, an alternative power source for it to last uh, that Every time I've done it and have gone the three-hour limit on it, it's been either... Because this thing, the Olympus system has it in their higher-end higher, higher end cameras. Battery has survived, even in winter. Even in minus 20 batteries lasted after a while the screen uh the the display times out and then it's just it's just powering the sensor for collecting so it's such a nice thing uh i think i even got one of one of the shots here on on the instagram of it that was just like a single shot i might i might not i don't know well th this one actually was uh that was like a half an hour That's using a telephoto. And that was a single shot. If you tried to do that for half an hour with a single shot on, on for a single shot shutter speed of half an hour with, with an intervalometer or you're going to blow out the whole thing. Yeah. When you use live composition, it takes that one exposure and locks it at that exposure and only adds light if the pixels are brighter and change it's it's seriously if you're into you know it even works with studio stuff if you were to use lights in a dark scene and just light paint it's it's really cool anyway blah 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 or beer <laughs> that's cool so like when when did you start getting into astrophotography uh Probably about 2019. Um, I took a few shots of the sky at night and it was, uh, whatever. But I ran into these photographers, Jeff Moore, Mike Isaac, Keith, uh, or no, sorry, Jeff, where's Jeff? I can never, Jeff Wallace, that's his name. Uh, Keith Moore, Mike Isaac, and this uh, amateur astronomer guy, um, what's his name he's with the royal uh, society of astronomers or whatever in, in edmonton and i would bump into them when i was just taking shots of the comet the comet is really when i started to get into it um like here oh yeah i shared that one if he was on the, the post and then uh you know i just kept taking more and more shots of the comet and ran into these guys in 2019 and then I started to notice other night sky phenomena. The further up north you are, uh, it can be really bright at night, late at night. This is about two in the morning, three in the morning. And those are noctilucent clouds. Like I just started noticing there's so much interesting stuff going on at night. 
in the sky. So I don't know. I just kind of kind of got into it. Got into a little bit of storm photography too. But I mean, it, none of it is is you know, it's all. I'm just like a dabbler in that stuff. So there are people like, oh my gosh, you wouldn't believe the amount of women who are coming out with bonkers storm photography these days because landscape photography has been a huge sausage fest for decades. Yeah. Really. Alan actually was with me on one of my first real kind of attempts at astrophotography there. Um, like I was into it, Alan, for sure, but I took like three or four pics. But Alan and I, we were trying to take pictures of uh, the Milky Way outside Edmonton, way out of town. And we got our first shot of it, of uh, this rare, well, not, not that rare, but uh, this almost Aurora-like phenomenon called Steve. It's like solar thermal emission, whatever. And and uh, he was there when we did it, and we got some really cool stuff. I actually have it on my Instagram there. There's a there's a there's a little time lapse of it. But anyway, yeah, um, it's crazy. So I started to dig into more like the natural phenomenon, and that's where I where I ran into the the storm photography crowd on Twitter. And there's so many. Yeah, that was on your property, Alan. It was it's a weird picket fence aurora looking thing, um, and. All I wanted to do for 2019 was to try to take those kind of shots that these women were taking. Because it's weird. The guys taking the shots, like I say, are more illustrative. They're more something that would show up on like an encyclopedia illustration of a phenomenon. Whereas the women were taking more of these artistic kind of shots of it. You know, like there were... During my whole time in photography... I've noticed when women pick up the camera, they're more develop an eye for it. Whereas the guys, yeah. we more languish in the technical language of it, making sure our photos are sharp, making sure our photos are, you know, that making sure we used hyperfocal distance to get every element in the foreground and background. Whereas, you know, like that stuff certainly develops in everybody else's shots, but it seems like, women pick up more of a composition and a focus on the subject, which makes it more of a better photo, even if it's not necessarily the sharpest thing right away. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. Maybe we shoot our feelings could yeah. totally explain that as opposed to guys shooting along with some manual or something. He has beautiful photos. If you want to see some great photos, follow stephanie rosie s-t-e-p-h-a-n-i-e dot r-o-s-i-e um we talked on the chat earlier this year she's great nice yeah unfortunately though my battery is about to run out yeah my battery's about to die too and i've, I've really <laughs> got to go to the bathroom but yeah i've also got a p2 but we should all chat. follow everybody whoever's the, whoever yeah. appeared in the chat my 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 fan, I've got a fan, Alan, because I, I used to have like hours long coffees with this guy all the time in Edmonton. Oh. So of course he's stuck around for the whole time. So, but yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow everybody in the chat here. So, yeah, it was great chatting with you. I miss you, man. And well, well we should go to what are everybody? I'm announcing Merlin and my new project coming out. It's mostly Merlin's, but I'm gonna help out. Basically, just by being a passenger in his car as we go. We're gonna go shoot the new book called Dink Town. 
which is a retrospective of Cranbrook, small town BC, the scene and what happened to it, what it means to us old aging scenesters. Actually, that's not a bad idea. You know, it's what? a super great idea, and we're doing it in like six months. Kickstarter will be here. Not even no, no, we don't need a Kickstarter. I'm just, I'm just we'll being see. a dink. We're dink gonna do town. it. Come on, dude. We'll we'll shoot it this summer. Okay, so I'm yeah. sure. Dink town. Yeah, no, for sure. We'll we'll do something. All right, uh, sucker. Good talking to you. But thanks for being here. Thanks everyone. Thanks for, for having me. In. I love you, man. Next week, I'm going to have uh, Tim Ryugo joining me. Uh, he's a great film photographer, and he's also been a longtime uh, Kodak guy. Uh, he's with Kodak Alaris right now, and uh, so that should be an interesting chat with, uh, with him. And, uh, yeah, stay safe out there, and uh, I'll see you. Thanks for all the hearts, Jeff. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.